This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you, Valentine's Day right around the corner. In fact, it's this Sunday. And, of course, flowers make the perfect gift. That's where Jimmy's Flowers comes in. Order today. You can get them delivered. Jimmy's Flowers with locations in Ogden, Layton, and Bountiful. Also, jimmysflowers.com. That's Jimmy's Flowers. Let's get out to the Zone phone. Uh, Joining us now, longtime jazz assistant coach, our good friend, Coach Gordy Chiesa. What's up, Coach? Guys, how you doing? I'm doing well. Hey, good. You you have Valentine's Day all locked down, Coach. I know you are a romantic. Oh, very much. Absolutely. How'd you know? I'm all set. I'm ready to roll next Sunday. <laughs> very nice. Let's. Unlike let's, you guys, I might add. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, different narrative. Oh yeah. I've still got I still got <laughs> he, work to do. He knows us too well. He does very much. That's yep. both good and bad. All right, Coach. Let's uh, let's jump into the Jazz. Uh, I'll ask you the same question I asked Chris Mannix an hour ago. Jazz win kind of ugly, had to grind it out, play some defense against Indiana. What does it say about a team that they can win in multiple ways against good teams? Very much. It says that they're an, an elite team, and there's no such thing as an ugly win, especially on the road. And that was the game yesterday where the, grads, the Jazz showed a, a lot of grittiness, how they just played terrific defense, and in the fourth quarter in crunch time, led by Donovan Mitchell, and Joe Ingles, they made so many great plays to knock out a good team that's heading to the playoffs in the paces. The biggest factor in the game was the, uh, the rebounding. The Jazz just crushed the paces on the board, 61-45, to 45, including advantageous 17-8 to 8 offensive rebounds. So when you rebound and play solid defense and you get terrific stops in crunch time, equals what? A gritty victory. Gordy, when you were coaching, did you ever have that that sensation or that circumstance where back in the days of Stockton and Malone, when the ball isn't going through the, the basket the way the way you're setting it up to, do is that a common thing for a coach to say, okay, guys, buckle down and let's do it a different way? Very much. That slight adjustment. Now, you alter your game plan and that you, re, you rely on basically the uh, – Going crashing the boards. The Jazz really, I'm asked this question, Gordon, nationally all the time by the, a lot of our, our common friends, is that what makes the Jazz so elite this year? It is very simple. Besides the superior three-point shooting, they've made an unbelievable commitment to going to the boards two ways, both offense and defense. And a lot of it's uh, rebounding and traffic. Oh, yes, Rudy can get rebounds, and so can Boyan Bondanovich. But it's the other people getting rebounds. If not off the glass, it's on the ground, those missed three-point shots. So suddenly Michael Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, they're all, uh, uh, George Niang, they're all chasing that rebound down off the ground. And that equals those extra possessions or takeaway, takeaway possessions at the defensive end. And that's why the Jazz... Like yesterday, without those rebounds, offensive rebounds, the Jets might have lost that game by three or four. Very impressive. Uh, former Jazz assistant coach Gordy Chiesa with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I thought yesterday 
Rudy Gobert was particularly good. I mean, 16 points, 16 boards, and three blocks is just amazing. But I, I thought it was an excellent example of how his defense wins games. Very much. And also he neutralized Miles Turner, who's a good player, who's also uh, trying to vie for the defensive player of the year. But Rudy absolutely is much ahead of him. When people drive the lane, say Malcolm Broderick, who's a good player but not really the most athletic, and he, the hounding and pounding defense primary of Royce O'Neal. So when finally when he got into the lane, Rudy's there to make him hesitate and become a doubt driver. So the beauty of, of Rudy, as far as shot blocking, he makes everyone hesitant in the lane, whether they shoot off balance but they're not organized or they arm shoot it or they get caught in no man's land. Do I take a, a lane floater? Do I take a twist layup? Do I do a euro step? And what happens, they do none of the above, and they misfire. Should the Jazz be concerned about Rudy's inefficiency from the free throw line, Gordy? Yes, very much. Absolutely. Is that, and God bless him. I mean, I know he works at it all the time. He's shooting right now for the listeners on 12 years of the zone. He's shooting 53.8 from the foul line. And that's, and you can't live with that, especially in a very tight, again, as we go forward, a playoff situation where you get to that line the last five minutes of a playoff game, you got to go minimum. One for two, if not two for two. When you go 0 for two, it's a, it's really a detriment to the team. So it's a concern. And but with that though, and it's interesting, Gordon. All the other Jazz players are, are shooting in the 80s. Donovan 83-7, Michael Conley 81-5, Boyan Bondanovich 85-5, Royce O'Neal 81-8, Jordan Clarkson, uh, excuse me, uh, Joe Engels 86-7. So all the other. Uh, the gang that shoots straight from the foul line, they're really highly exceptional. Even Derek Favors, 75%. So Rudy, but the problem is that Rudy takes the most foul shots because he's under the basket. They foul him on that rim roll to the basket, and also he gets rebounds. They climb over his back. So the guy takes the most foul shots, unfortunately, right now is the least efficient. Coach, what are your thoughts on Brad Stevens as Boston comes in tomorrow night? All right, Boston, they're a team right now where he's a good coach. This is seventh year as far as coaching the team. And Boston, their dilemma is right now is that besides being 12 and 10, they're not elite at anything, that they have good players and they have good metrics, but they're not in the top five in any category, and that's been a concern for them. And, yes, they've been injured. Kembe Walker, who we know, Kembe Walker, for the listeners, let's not forget, Gordon, last year he started in the All-Star game. Walker was a starting guard in the All-Star game. Now, right now, he's been, it's been a struggle. He has that knee soreness, and they're trying to piecemeal it where they hold him out sometimes. They, they, um, they don't do back-to-backs. Uh, Kembe Walker's shooting right now 35.7 field goal percentage, 30, 30% from threes. And so with uh, Brad Stevenson is that some of, uh, some of his uh, options are lesser right now. So his team is... They're trying to score. They're missing tomorrow night. Jake uh, Marcus Smart is out with the, with an injury, so he's not going to play. And Jalen Brown didn't play yesterday with knee soreness against the uh, the Suns. So with that said, they're relying on they're relying on um, Jason Tatum, who was in the exact same draft class with Donovan Mitchell. Jason was picked number three, Donovan thirteen, and they're both uh, really an elite players. So the first option is Tatum. He's averaging twenty seven points a game. It's 7.1 rebounds and 4.1 assists, 
but they need more, Jake, to get them over the hurdle. They're a good team that's been banged up, but they're not great at anything. So, Gordy, the Jazz are 19-5, and five, best record in the NBA. Um, as from a, from a critical standpoint, as a basketball man, as you watch them play, what do they need to improve on? Because all of this is preparation for the postseason, right? That's what, that's what all this is. What do they need to get better at? Different looks defensively. In other words, every once in a while, play zone defense. So if I, I recommend once in a while change up defenses, junk defenses, where you play some zone to take away some of the play of the lightning-quick point guards. So, for example, uh, you're playing against Chris Paul. I know Devin Booker is a knockdown shooter. I get it. I understand it. So let me prep saying this, is that every once in a while by playing zone defense, you take away that high pick-and-roll action that Chris Paul-type people are absolutely affecting on it. Don't you get the feeling also when you play the Lakers, if you zone the Lakers, it would, it would slow down some of LeBron's unbelievable uh, uh, burst to the basket by being some zone. So I'd, I'd, I'd work slightly more on zone, and I would really um, think about uh, what happens when teams take the ball out of Donovan Mitchell's hands. Like early, like early in the possession where they are absolutely determined. For example, Marcus Smart, I know he's not playing tomorrow night, but just say Marcus Smart was playing, that his sole purpose on the floor is to go overplay defense on Donovan. Are you as successful? Here's a learning point about that. As great as the Jazz were in yesteryear, all I know is this, that when the teams took away John Stockton's initial play, we had to go into our secondary movement, and we're still very good at it at that era, but we weren't great at it. The learning point about it is that you have to prepare yourself. When teams take away your absolute first option, what are you going to do as far as, um, uh, as, far as tr- trying to strike the defense? Coach Gordy Chiesa with us here on the Big Show. Um, Coach, Kevin Garnett had some <clears throat> statements that, uh, that came out today, and he talked about a bunch of stuff. But one of the things he talked about is, is how they've taken the physicality out of defense and made it more difficult for the defender by changing the rules. Is the NBA taking physicality too much out of the game today? Yes, absolutely. Yes, I'm not saying playing dirty. No, I'm not, Jake Scott. I'm saying, hey, let's get physical, just like a a living Newton-John. Let's get physical, (laughs) all right? And so what happens is that what you want to do is that you want to keep your body on them. And I'm not saying hand check or hip check. I'm not saying that. But let them, let them move their feet defensively. And if there was some contact, let it play on through the possession. So, yeah, the NBA doesn't like fighting. It's bad for the visualization of it. The, the ticket holders and lower, lower seats there, they pay a whole bunch of money. They don't want to see some, some sort of fights and stuff. But I do think that, that it's to the extreme. So you want to be able to guard people and with the element of physicality. So, so much, Jake, here's the question as always. Can we be physical and still maintain our technique and balance? So that's what every basketball player tries to aspire to, is to be physical defensively, be on balance, and also use hand quickness as far as trying to be in the passing lane and get steals. So the answer is I agree with Kevin Garnett, who's also also just recently was voted to the Hall of Fame. 
So, Gordy, I'm trying to figure out, is that what Olivia was talking about when she was saying, let's get physical? Absolutely. I knew you knew it. I knew, like, young Jake Scott, the listeners right now, Jake was born in 1981. I knew this as a fact. He told me this many times Uh off the air. All right, but guys like Gordon Munson and myself and you listening right now is that maybe you remember that song, In Case You're Wondering, Jake. (laughs) I appreciate that, Coach. I mean, I saw Olivia in concert back in the day. Uh, actually, seen her a couple times. But uh, wait a second, she... slow down, cowboy. Wait a second, this is a family show. <laughs> slow down, cowboy. I just wasn't sure that she was commenting on the, the level of contact in an NBA game when she when she sang that song. Oh, I like that. Perhaps no, but but again, like anything, like yesterday's Super Bowl. Let's say with that for one second. Oh, by the way, don't you feel the Bucks are more physical than the Chiefs were? Yes. See? And definitely. so, again, with, it's that what's, the, what's that sweet spot defensively? And now also depends, Jake, if the referee is, is friendly, if you know what I mean. I can't tell how many <laughs> times the great officiating is when advantage, disadvantage. You've got to be let the players be physical, but, let, but then interpret it. Who gets the advantage by being physical? Is it too out of control or it's not? And that's what it comes down to, especially in playoff basketball. For example, when Donovan Mitchell, when they try to attempt to slow him down, usually the defense is much more physical on Donovan, and he tries to sometimes uh, he would try to um, overreact and maybe what? Arm shoot quickly on his jump shot versus what? Let the game come to him. Usually speaking, when people are physical on your body, the game speeds up for you and it affects your, your performance most times in a negative way. Jake, can I follow up on that with a question? You mentioned the Super Bowl. I mean, I just got to know from Gordy, a man who has spent his entire life practically coaching uh, athletes, have you ever seen that kind of performance, those kinds of performance, consistent performances out of an athlete like Tom Brady? And how do you describe – I mean, I get the physical side of it, but what about the mental side of it, Gordy? I mean, that's just remarkable. No, never. The answer is no. As great as as great as John were and Carl was, and uh, we'll say uh, Bill Russell was, etc. To play at that the highest level, at the top of the apex for literally over twenty something years, and still be world champion isn't heard of. That's that special diet he talks about. The ability that he's able to adapt to his teammates. So much is uh, understanding about how younger people think. So, example, Tom's 43 years old, and suddenly maybe somebody's receivers are 23 years old, most times from the SCC conference. All right? So he's 20-something years older than these guys, and he's able to articulate and relate to them. So the, the, the newness of a situation and your unbelievable desire to be the best that you can be, and that's what I described. And I think, and don't you get the feeling in jazz basketball, as far as someone like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, those guys really are dedicated people. And uh, let's watch their career arc as, as, as it goes forward. Coach, I understand you have a list for us today. Yeah, list Jake is um, this is really a fun list, like most of them are, but this is in particular because of the Celtics coming tomorrow. The Celtics, uh, there's so many in Utah. Celtic fans via back east and moved out here for to uh, to to uh, to Beehive State. This is a baker's dozen of the all-time greatest Celtics and Jake and Gordon. I left out so many other players. I just couldn't. I wanted to get through this. All right, baker's dozen. Number thirteen. He's he's uh, in the Hall of Fame both as a player and as a coach. The late Tommy Heinsohn. Number twelve. 
one of the all-time uh, greatest Celtics as far as clutch players, tremendous late-game scorer. He died at age 71 a few years ago, Jojo White. Number 11, two championships, 84 and 87, uh, to me, 84 and 86, one of the best ever two-way players. You can make a narrative of Gordon and Jake, one of the most underrated all-time great players, Dennis Johnson. Number 10. We mentioned about a few minutes ago, played for the Celtics for six years. He was an intense defender, rebounder, shot blocker, and scorer. He's in the Hall of Fame, the, the 2020 class, the big ticket, Kevin Garnett. Number nine, his nickname was the Chief. He's also in the Hall of Fame. He's a rebounder. He had this high arcing jump shot that the shot started on Monday, and it got there on Tuesday, and he ran the floor unbelievable on a middle sprint. Three titles, Robert Parrish. Number eight, this guy won ten titles in 12 years, he's the, absolutely the greatest ever bank shooter in the history of basketball, even better than Tim Duncan, who's great, even better than Bill Walton, even better than the Iceman George Gerving. He's in a Hall of Fame, Sam Jones. Number seven, left-handed, unbelievable, fiery, two-title, was the heart of the Celtics after Bill Russell uh, retired. He won two championships, one of the all-time great rebounders for 6'9", one of the all-time great ever pick-and-roll defensive players, Dave Cowens. Number six, his nickname was Houdini of the Hardwood. He's a great passer, clutch scorer. He was a magician with the ball, Hall of Famer, Bob Cousy. Number five, he should be elected to the Hall of Fame in 2021 in his next class. His nickname was The Truth. We see him on TV all the time right now. He played for the Celtics for 15 years, one title, clutch scorer, Paul Pierce. Number four, one of the all-time greatest footwork players, a uh, mid-block player behind, uh, really behind Kareem and behind Tim Duncan, three titles, Kevin McHale. Number three, he left us recently about a few years ago as far as passing away. This guy scored over 25,000 points for his career, never thinking shot, one of the all-time greatest clutch players in the history of basketball. And by the way, Havlicek stole the ball back in 65 John Havlicek, number three. All right, number two, I was debating Jake between, and Gordon between two and one. It's like blasphemy. This guy is number two. His name is Larry Legend. Three titles, one of the all-time greatest ever clutch players, shooters, rebounders. He made his teammates elite, Larry Bird. All right, number one, this guy has more championships than, rank, than, uh, than uh, fingers on both hands. He won 11 titles as a player and the head coach. He's the greatest Game 7 player in the history of the NBA. He was in 11 Game 7s. The Celts were 11-0. They named the Finals MVP after him because of his uh, greatness. The number one greatest Celtics is uh, Bill Russell. Thus, Jake and Gordon, that's my Celtic list with the leprechauns. I have, uh, I have one follow-up question to that sure. list, Gordy. Who was better? Bob Cousy or John Stockton? John Stockton. And, again, not, I'm not saying because uh, okay, I coached John for 16 years. That's not my point. Cousy was absolutely great. Cousy was a 34.8% of field goal percentage. John shot for his career, 51.5. I mean, so just by the shooting ability, I know it's yesteryear, where guys didn't shoot straight back in the 50s and early 60s. I get that also. But John was a great shooter besides being an incredible passer and besides being what, a once-in-a-generational defensive player both on and off the ball. Remember, John Gordon 
uh, leads the NBA history in two of the six categories offensively, in most assists and it's going to be uh, defensively also in most steals. So he's number one in two of the categories, which makes him, if not the greatest, right up there. Coach, thank you for dropping by. As always, it's always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Peace out. And, Jake, please, Jake, get up to speed about Valentine's Day. (laughs) I I will, Coach. No problem. Thank you. See you guys. See you, buddy. That's our friend, Coach Gordy Chiesa. He does know us so well. I do have some catching up to do. That's a fact. He he was quite concerned about your uh, lack of uh, planning. Well, what he cares. doesn't know, what he what he doesn't know is that you're going to be doing shows from Jimmy's Flowers yeah, tomorrow and Wednesday. So if I if I come out of that two day run not prepared, then that's my own fault. 